I was just thinking this morning, a total of, um, you know, when you think of church, you think of like, uh, you just think of pastor with, with three kids living in a house, Jim, right? You think, you think of Jim. And then here, here we are, Thanksgiving break, it's, it's a total of people with, I think, three, three kids, and there's like people eating work. I, I don't know, it just blew my mind that um, an average age of probably 30 <laughs> or 25 is, is uh, helping run the show right now. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. So, um, hey, my, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at J Road, and no, I, I have the pleasure just to bring you God's Word. Um, and, and this morning, I asked him, hey, what, you want, what are we preaching on this, this week? You know, uh, and, and, you know, we're continuing in our Roman series. Um, Mike did an amazing job last week talking about how uh, God works on the inside. Um, a, a true Christian surrenders all that they are uh, for inwardly, right? And then out of that o- overflow comes the outward outward parts of it. You surrender the lust in your heart. You surrender just the, the things that you want. You, you, you just surrender all that stuff and outflows, man, here's what Jesus wants. Here's what Jesus is doing in my heart. Um, and in the next few chapters of, of Romans, that's where we're going to see the outward marks, the outward works of what it looks like to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, and some of those examples, really quick, are found in the last part of Romans 12. Let, let me give you some examples. Here's what an inside-out Christian looks like. Someone who has surrendered all that they are, all their behaviors, all their mindsets, all that they know, all their views, just everything. Right? Here, here's parts of what it looks like to be a changed Christian from the inside-out and I'm not going to go through all of them. There's little snippets up here in Romans, starting in uh, verse 14 of chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you, right? Bless those who persecute you. Who wants to do that? Right? No, no one's trying to do that. Someone punches you in the face because you love Jesus. Your tendency is to punch back. If not, punch back. Some might cry. Some might fall down, whatever. But your tendency is not to say, hey, man, thank you. <laughs> I love you. Uh, Jesus loves you. That's not your tendency. That's, that's just not it. Um, another thing is rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah, we get that. Uh, weep with those who weep. I struggle with that, right? Uh, my wife has never seen me cry yet. In our five years of marriage, she has not seen me cry once. It's, it's rare. You know, it's a rare Pokemon. My, my tears are rare Pokemon, Okay. <laughs> okay, that, and, and so, but from the inside, I, I want that. I, I strive for that. I, I want, like, if my wife is hurting, I want to be able to, to share in that pain, right? Because that, that's what a, an inside-out Christian does. That, that's a mark of someone who is being changed by the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Another thing, right, in, in verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. A lot of that's, we want to do that, but that sometimes that's not our tendency. One of the things I love to do is write people off. <laughs> I, I've noticed this during the whole COVID stuff, right? My tendency is to write people off. You rub me the wrong way, uh, forget it. 
Um, but here, a, a mark of a, a Christian is saying, hey, do whatever you can to live in harmony. Repay no evil, no one evil for evil. That's real. That's hard. That, that's some hard stuff. Um, let, let's jump down to verse 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If you see your enemy shot down, help him. That's not a tendency of ours. That's not something we like to do. Um, you know, you look at, I look at everyone off of the highway as enemies. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's be real. They, they, they got these fresh new feelers on. I'm like, dude, you ain't poor. You have a fresh new hoodie on. You have shoes on. Your, your, your pants look like they got holes, but you bought them that way, and you got this sign saying, I need help. And I look at that person as my enemy, and Jesus wants us to look at that person not as your enemy, but to feed them, to provide for them. And that's hard. But that, that's, that's a mark of what an inside-out Christian is looks like here. Uh, lastly, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, and, and in verse, in chapter 13, uh, part of the marks of a Christian is authority, right? I love, I, 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 I say this sarcastically, I love this chapter, right? Romans 13 talks about submitting to government and authority. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Um, I will be honest with you. I am probably the least qualified person to talk about any politics with you, <laughs> any type of government stuff with you, right? I get the three branches. I know that. Other than that, you know, I like to kind of stay away from it uh, because it, it, in my mind, right, when it comes to authority and government, it, it divides or it's corrupt. It's messed up. But then here, I read this stinking scripture, and it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why is Jesus, why is Paul, the apostle of, uh, of Jesus, talking about government? Right? Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about it. Uh, not because I'm qualified, but because scripture talks about it. S scripture allows us to really dig into this. Um, and so... Look, I'm telling you right now, this has been so uncomfortable, studying this scripture. It's been hard, right? I started looking at the Constitution, Declaration of Independence. I started looking at the history of how we are today. I'm like, what the heck? There's so, many, there's so much biblical stuff behind it, and then in my mind, I'm just thinking, man, this is all corrupt, <laughs> right? I'm like, this is all messed up. But for some reason, God allows it. Um, so let me just pray for us really quick one more time, um, and then we'll, we'll get going right into Romans. God, this morning, I, I know a lot of us have more knowledge about government issues, about authority, about what things should look like. Uh, I, I know some of us are coming with assumptions as to what we're going to talk about, all that stuff. Uh, Father, I, I just want people to know that we're going to talk about your word. We're going to talk about what your word says. We're not going to talk about opinions of masks. We're not going to talk about opinions of gatherings, of all these things. But we're just going to talk about what you want us to do as 
Christians, our obligations and duties in light of Romans 13. So God, any, anything that we have in our hearts, uh, may we just surrender that to you. And may we just listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 13 says this. I want you to remember Paul is talking to Jewish Christians who were expelled from Rome at one point. Jew, they, they, we're talking about a city where Christians were being killed for sport in the Colosseum. Uh, more than anything, pa- Paul is, is, is saying this scripture, and, and Rome is the reason why Paul died for the faith, died for Jesus. And here's what Paul says in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let every person submit to them. For there is no authority except from God and those who exist, having been instituted by God, having been established by God, having been put there by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment, incur punishment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority then to do what is good, and you will receive his approval? For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be, su- uh, be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Uh, pay to all who is owed to them taxes, to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Um, again, I struggle with this. <laughs> I read the scripture, I'm like, man, that looks so simple. Submit, submit to the government because they, they, they'll, God is using them and he's going to take care of you. Right? Just, just be good. Don't be an idiot. And you won't get punished, right? I think it's pretty dang simple what this this verse, these verses are saying. And so, um, I was just trying to figure out, man, like God, uh, why why'd you bring me to these verses? Why am I studying this? I have no knowledge of this, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why, because I need to know this stuff because the gospel is part of this stuff, right? And so, man, God brought me back to the, the Garden of Eden. If, if you want to know uh, where government really started, it started at the beginning. Genesis 1 to 3. Who was the ruler? Who was the president? Who was the king? It was God alone. Who were the citizens? Adam and Eve. And them animals. Right? Uh, they had two laws. Work the garden. Tend the garden. Take care of it. Secondly, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What happens? They break it. They eat of it. They disobey authority. They disobey their king. And what happens? We're a product of it. <laughs> and I was, as I was trying to figure out and just pray through, God, why are you talking about this? Why is Paul talking about this? Why is Paul even trying to defend the government that killed them and all this stuff? 
Um, what Paul is really pointing us to is, hey man, I'm just pointing you to God's standard of what it should look like. This is the standard of what it looks like to be under a good king, a good ruler, a good president. Right here, in seven verses, be subject to authority because, hey, they're going to commend good things about you if you, if you do good. You know, if you do evil, you deserve what's coming to you. Hey, pay taxes because, you know, Trust the government that is going to do something about it. And so let, let, let me break down this God-sized standard of government. Um, and so in verse 1, I'm going to simplify. I'm going to simplify it, and then I'm going to simplify it even more into what Scripture is saying. So in verse 1, God puts leaders there, so submit. Simple as that. Um, in verses 2, Resist to uh, resist authority is resisting God. Judgment will be imposed. Um, praise good conduct in verses three and four. Uh, punish bad conduct. In um, verses seven and eight, pay your taxes. Okay. I'm going to simplify it a little a little more into how Scripture kind of shows it, and the, so the purpose of authority, what His standard looks like, is this: the common commendation of good, the punishment of evil, the maintenance of peace, and the protection of the oppressed. This is the standard that God has placed for what government should look like. I think we're all smart enough to say, man, it don't look like that. It doesn't. Why? Because we're sinners. People are, are sinners. And, and that's why Jesus sent, the, God sent his son for us to save us, right? When Adam and Eve sinned uh, and, and broke everything, messed up everything, God sent his son for us that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? The gospel. Um, and so God is redeeming uh, things as we speak, little by little. So what is the point of what Paul is saying? Why is Paul talking about this perfect standard of what government and authority should look like? He wants us to uphold it. He wants us to uphold that standard. Um, as I struggled through this, I, I was reading a ton of articles, man. Um, listening to a ton of sermons, um, asking Google some questions. Hey, Google, what, what, are, what does politics mean? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> right? uh, and you know, I came across a, a real, one of my, one of my favorite guys um, who has really shaped my, God has helped shape my theology, uh, my belief of God, uh, my understanding of Scripture, and, uh, and he wrote something about uh, government. Why, why government, right? Why is it biblical? All that stuff. And, and, and he wrote some viewpoints. Here are some wrong views of what government, what government is, right? What, what we shouldn't think about it. Uh, so there's two that really resonated with me. And the first one, right, is all government is corrupt, uh, as I shared earlier. Um, Man, I could get into this. <laughs> I could get into this because that's how I feel. 
I could get into this because that's how, where my anger takes me, that, man, all these leaders want our money and to win. They don't really care about us. They That was the test. <laughs> but, right, I, I've always held view th that viewpoint, right? All government's messed up, so who cares? Uh, it's all demonic, it's all evil, but so who cares? And, and I, then I read this verse in, in Romans 13, 1. It says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. And that last part hit, hit me different. It hit different, right? Like a Popeye's chicken sandwich hits different. It, it, this verse hit my heart different and my understanding really differently. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been established. Those who exist have been instituted by God. By me saying all government is corrupt is me saying, God, you're corrupt. By me saying that government is really messed up and they don't know what they're doing is me saying, God, Whoever you place there, you don't know what you're doing, and you're messed up. Wrong view. More than anything, God was just, last night, um, I, I, I stayed up a little bit just to really hammer this down as to what this, what this means. And, and God was just simply said, man, you got a lazy view. You don't want to know. You're staying away. You're keeping the gospel away from what I have established. It was just a lazy view. Second view I had was this, is, is do evangelism, not politics. Right? Be about the gospel. Preach Jesus. To talk about Jesus, but keep everything else out of it. God was just kind of showing me, man, you, you don't think my love could redeem the government? You don't think the gospel is big enough to save everything that is, might be corrupt or is actually messed up? I always thought that the gospel is about the soul, which it truly is about the soul. But the gospel fixes so much more than that because sin has broken so much more than that, right? Sin has broken, the, the sun's dying. The moon's going to die one day. The world's going to end. Why? Because sin has jacked it up. The gospel goes so much further than just soul. It gets, it rescues and redeems everything from nature to space to galaxies, whatever, right? And in particular, in what we're talking about today, right? It, it rescues, a not a corrupt, a, a messed up government. And so God was just showing me, man, look, not only are you discounting 
God's redeeming love inside authority, but you're also rejecting everyone in Hebrews 11 who by faith, they did amazing things for the Lord. These kings and rulers, these awesome followers of Jesus who were in places of leadership, who influenced, who upheld God's standard. And man, that, that broke me last night. Because there are some people in this room, if, if you aren't yet, um, there, there's going to be some people next to you, above you, behind you, whatever, uh, that are going to be called to politics. Um, and I love what Paul says back, back in Romans 12. He says this, for as in one body, we have many members and members do not all have the same function. So we, though, many are in one body in Christ and individually members of another. Some have having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy, prophecy, if proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, right? And if we wanted to add the one who is called to politics and, and politics. Man, that, that, that really shook me to the point where I was like, man, God, I missed this half of what the gospel can do. I always thought government was just strictly corrupt and keep talking about Jesus and not all the other stuff. It, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I know you might not be feeling that 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 light bulb experience that I have been experiencing, um, but it's just really been blowing my mind that God does care about this stuff. Right? God cares about it because there are humans who he wants to save within those structures. Two things we do as a Christian. Two things we do as a Christian under democracy, under authority, under a God standard authority, whether it's good or bad, and, and, and there are two things really quick. I'm sure you guys know the first one. Um, to uphold God's standard of government, to uphold God's standard of authority and law um, is we vote. Wayne Gruden, smart guy, Christian, the, the guy that I've been learning a ton from, he says this, a minimal obligation to be well-informed and to vote for candidates and policies that are most consistent with biblical principles. I know I'm probably three weeks too late about on this, <laughs> but it's good for the next coming years. But it's just, isn't it amazing that me personally, I could have been a Christian for some odd years and then just ignored this. But then all of a sudden I read the scripture a little more and study it a little more and God just tears you up. Man, it, 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 it's pretty cool. It never ends. God is going to continue to change our inside so that outwardly that stuff changes too. Am I going to stand up here and talk about all politics? Nah, man. That's not, I'm just sharing with you 
that man, God has really changed my attitude towards it and is, is showing me that the gospel does redeem that stuff. Secondly, this applies to not just adults, but kiddos too. Oh, man. <laughs> Do I need to change my mic? like a now that you this isn't even on okay cool <laughs> and so the second thing right second thing applies to both kids and and, and adults um, and that second thing is, is to love like Jesus um, as followers of Jesus after you have voted after you have committed that uh, earthly that earthly uh, obligation and duty you still have an obligation and duty as a christian to love like jesus and this is why paul says this um in verse 8 oh no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in these words you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is fulfilling of the law second thing our duty and obligation after we have uh, done our part under a earthly government our earth our heavenly responsibility on this earth now is to love like jesus and paul lists those things those moral standards that we should live by okay? and the thing is um real quick for, for kiddos your authority because you cannot vote your authority uh, and your government is your mom Okay, uh, it's not only your mom; it's also your dad. Okay, and if you, look, if you're in a bad situation, uh, that that's a different story. You got to let us know. Uh, but that is your authority as of right now, because legally you can't do the first part. You can't vote, but okay. You can love like Jesus. You can love your mom and dad like Jesus. You can love your sister and brother and your friends just like Jesus. And same for the adults. Our goal, our obligation is to love just like Jesus. And so how do we do this? Okay, it's not what we feel. It's not what we think. It's not what we think is right. Like, hey, I feel this way, so I should do this. This is what love is. No, how we find out what it looks like to love like Jesus is to look in his word, his scripture, his teachings. That is the example. It's hard. That's some hard stuff to do. The word I want to use there, loving like Jesus, is, is being a Christian influence to those around you. There, again, like I said, some people are going to be called to different things. You never know. Your kids might go into politics, and your job is to influence them about what God's standard is. And you know what? Your kid could uphold the law or uphold God's standard within what they're called to, if they're called to politics. And look, you have influenced your kid to help uphold that government law, that God-sized standard. Because I've always asked a question like, why should I care about the government or all that stuff? Because I'm not even in it. I can't do nothing. But look, I'm an advocate for the gospel. I'm an advocate for God's standard. I'm an advocate for God's moral standard. And you should be too.
as, as a youth pastor, I start to think about students. I start to think about how, how far they, they, the, the schools are teaching them away from Jesus, uh, whatever they watch, whatever is on media. And, and as a youth pastor, we don't, I know for me, I don't shy away from the hard topics of suicide, homosexuality. Right? We have to talk about those things. Abortion. They're going to be hearing it in school. They're going to be hearing it in all those places. Right? A lot of the, what people, what students believe now is how, what they feel and, and all that stuff. But look, we as adults, we as Christians, we as some people who advocate for the gospel need to talk about this stuff. Don't be scared to talk about that stuff with your kiddos. They need to hear it. Your obligation, other than voting, is talking about that stuff. That's more than politics. That's a biblical issue. Our obligation is to love like Jesus. And that's talking about hard truths. And our earthly obligation, obviously, is to vote. God's love can redeem everything that is messed up and broken. God's love can redeem everything that's messed up and broken that does not just include humans, but includes everything else on this earth. Romans 13, submit to authority, earthly authority, and you have an obligation to love like Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray personally that I have done that scripture right. Um, because I know at the end of my life, I, I'm going to answer to you. And if I took that scripture out of context, if I didn't teach that well, um, I'm going to hear it from you. God, I, I pray that um, we look at that scripture. We, we take what we have heard and, and take what is true and live that out. God, it's hard to submit to authorities. It's not easy. I know for me, I speed every single time, every single day. It's not easy. Um, but God, may we strive to be examples of what Jesus is. Um, God, the gospel redeems. It redeems not only the soul, but it redeems every single little system that is messed up and broken. And one day we're going to be able to experience goodness and perfection in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.